So as we turn this morning, I want to remind you of some things. Turning to our sermon topic, of course, looking at Romans 8. That it was on September 11th this year that we began preaching this series. Andy mentioned we conclude this series today. We call it A Firm Foundation, The Essentials of Faith. Now, we planned this series last May. You remember when we got together? We had no idea what we would be dealing with as we came into this season. All the changes, all that would be before us. Many of you said that the messages had been so relevant for this time, but honestly, we didn't know what we would be facing, but God did. And what I've learned in my years of ministry is that this is not an accident. But it's a powerful reminder of the visible work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we began by emphasizing the prime importance of putting God first. Put God first in our lives. Do you remember the analogy of the apple pie? Some of you remember that. Suppose that pyramid analogy. Then we recounted Victor Hugo's story of Jean Valjean, who was caught after stealing the bishop's silver. And we learned about Grace, God's gift of first importance. Loving God is to be first, which leads to help us understand and receive the gift of God's grace, which is God's unconditional, no-strings-attached love for us. And we are to love one another. That was the third series in this third sermon in the series. Do you remember that I told you the story of the four-year-old? who, when his neighbor's wife died, he went over, crawled up on his lap, and just sat with him, telling his mother, I didn't say anything to him, I just cried with him. Loving one another is so critical. But then we looked at the gift of faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I shared that Sunday the story of Corey Ten Boom telling us what her father had taught her about faith. As he said to her, Corey, don't run ahead of God. When the time comes, and some of us have to die, you will look into your heart, and you will find the strength you need just in time. But you've got to have faith to believe that, don't you? That is faith, the gift which, which we hold with assurance and conviction that we will be given by God what we need when we need it just in time. And then on an October 9th, in the devastating wake of Hurricane Ian, we turned to the book of James. And we read that profound affirmation that faith without works is dead. And of course, you may remember the moment when that strong teaching led us to open our gym to 25 farm workers who had no shelter from the hurricane. And then last week, we turned to the command to welcome all. Hospitality, it is called, that showing of the manifold grace of God's love. The gift which was embraced, which actually I would say embraced Charlie Porter and Fred Thomas. But here we are today. We're concluding this series, and we turn to the text that I actually shared with you on my first Sunday at this church. It was July 1st, 2007. It's a long time ago. But I bring back to you today the same text, Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. Now, I have to say to you, this is the first text, the first sermon I've preached at every church I've served since I finished seminary 42 years ago. That's how important it is. I always begin with Romans 8. Now, the sermon's a little bit different each time, but 
the text is unchanging, unyielding in its affirmation. It's important to return to it today because nothing, not anything in all of creation, can separate you from the love of God. We've sung about it. It was in our affirmation of faith. We've prayed about it. We're preaching about it, talking about it, because it is that important. Here, Paul, in writing to the Roman church, brings us together in this one beautiful and powerful statement. I think one of the most powerful statements in Scripture. It is a great and timeless truth. For Paul will challenge the temporal world, the world that we can see and we experience every day, a world that has many problems that that will do its best sometimes to pull us down. And Paul's going to challenge that world. But he's also going to challenge the unseen, the spiritual realms, declaring that nothing in either world, nothing in all of creation can separate you, any of us, from the love of God. So let me read you the text, beginning in verse 31 of Romans 8. What then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not then give us everything else we need? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? See, what Paul is declaring here is that the temporal or worldly powers are not able to separate us from the love of God. There are people, circumstances, events that may say otherwise, but Paul is saying not true. Don't bite. Don't believe it. Don't go down that road. Then Paul stops for a moment. And for some, it seems an odd thing because he's saying the world can't separate you from God's love. But he adds then a quote from Psalm 44, the 22nd verse. It's a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of defeat. You can hear the pain. But Paul shifts it. And he gives to it a victorious, hopeful note. Let me read you that quote, verse 36 of Romans 8. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. And when David wrote those words, that psalm, it was one of despair. He was in a low place, a dark place. But for Paul, it promises victory even in the midst of hardship. Life will be devastating sometimes. We know that. But with God, we have a future of hope. So Paul then continues. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, rulers, as it says there, not things present nor things to come, not powers, nor height, nor death. There is not anything in all of creation. There is nothing in creation that can separate you, us the world, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there it is, Romans 8, 31 to 39. But here's the question. Why is it important? Why? 
Does it just sound neat? Or is there something profoundly important about it? I'll tell you what's important, because life is full of separation, of brokenness, division, and loss. And the reasons for these heart-wrenching sources of pain seem endless. Some of you know full well what they are. You know the pain of having somebody you love die. You know the pain of a marriage that is ending. You know the pain of a child that rejects you or a parent that rejects their child. Of being fired from a job, of financial failure, of losing friends over conflict and disagreement. We know the pain of being divided over politics, theology, and social issues. And if we're honest, the list of things which separate us from each other is legion. It is endless. And we might be tempted to believe that there is nothing permanent that we can hold on to. There's nothing we can place our hope in. Because it all seems to fail. Norman Vincent Peale, some of you remember Dr. Peale, used to tell about walking by a tattoo parlor along one of Hong Kong's narrow streets. There in the shop window of this tattoo parlor were sample designs. There were flags, slogans, anchors, skulls, mermaids. But the one which caught Dr. Peel's eye was this phrase, born to lose. He went into the shop and he asked the owner if people actually did have this message permanently inked on themselves. Yes, said the owner. The last customer wanted it tattooed on his chest, born to lose. And Dr. Peel said, why would anyone want to be branded, branded with such a gloomy slogan? And the tattoo artist, this Chinese man, shrugged his shoulders and said, before tattoo on chest, tattoo on mind. He might have been reading the scriptures. which say, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. What a difference it would make for us if we have God's perspective in our hearts and our minds. What what if we tattooed on our minds and hearts this incredible word, inseparable? This is the great gift from God. It is the truth of God's love for us. It is God's grace. Nothing, not anything, can separate you from God's love. Nothing will ever stop God from loving you. God will never love you less, and God will never love you more. Right there at the max. That is, you are inseparable. Every one of you. Regardless of what the world would say, or those unseen powers would say, or what you may think about yourself, you can't change God's mind on this. So if we were to emblazon our hearts and minds with this truth, then we can stand with Paul declaring that we are more than conquerors, more than all the worldly or spiritual things, which might have us believe that we are nothing, that we are unlovable, and we are unforgiven. You and I know full well that life can be very difficult at times. Life can be overwhelming, devastating, 
But I pray that the words of Paul come to you with comfort and with power. For nothing can separate you from God's love. And we are tested all the time with this. You have to choose whether or not you believe it. Because there's a world, seen and unseen, that would tell you it's not true. On Friday, when I went to the hospital to visit, I stood with a family at the bedside of that young father who was on life support. A catastrophic medical crisis had led to this moment. And the doctors had shared that morning the awful news that there was still no brain activity, that he had, in fact, died. He was on life support, so it looked like he was alive, but in essence, he was dead. So what do you say to the parents of an only child? To the wife, to the children, to the grandmother, the aunts, the uncles, and cousins who are there weeping beside his bed, knowing that in a few short hours, life support would end. What would you say to them? It's never been different, for I've always turned to this. Here is our hope. Nothing, not anything in the law of creation, can separate Charlie from God's love. He is a child of God. He is loved by God. And that very same Jesus who died for his sins is here to take him home to be with him forever. He is loved by God. Here's the point. You and I need to remember this. Because there will be times when it seems like life is bent on destroying us. There are plenty of times we need to remember that God is there, even if we don't fully see it. God is always with us, loving us. Let me show you what I mean. Just a short clip from a movie called The Bear that came out in the 1980s. But maybe it will give you a reminder of where God is when we're facing those hard times. Watch this.
word that Paul uses is inseparable. Here's what Paul is talking about. Life will be tough. It will be painful at times. But don't ever forget that God is always there. God has your back. And nothing can separate you from that love. When you're broken, when you're hurting, God is there for you. Why? Because he loves you. Let's pray. Sometimes, Lord, we feel like that cub, trapped, cornered, beaten, assaulted, heartbroken, despairing. But standing right there, right in our hearts and our lives, is the power of the Lord of the universe who declared that we are loved, who gave his life for our salvation. Don't let us ever take for granted that relationship. Let us stand in the strength of your presence and love. When things are dark, bind us to your heart, Lord, that we may be strengthened and never lose hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. You can take that to the bank. You can hold on to that in the hardest moment. You can stand in any storm, any difficulty in life, and hear that affirmation that you were loved by God, loved so much that he gave his life that you would not perish, but would have eternal life. So go with that hope in your heart, in peace and in love. Amen.